Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast, and thank you for tuning in. Speaking of you, the listener, you guys, one of you is a guest this week. We're speaking with Chris Williams about his experiences learning to hunt archery elk and coming to do that from out east. Chris has some experiences and hard lessons that he's learned, and we talk about that not only in his story, but also just take a look at the things that have helped him give him the information and knowledge needed to make the journey and pull off an elk hunt like that. Speaking of going on archery elk hunts, we have a review from Al Feeds, who's getting ready to go on his second Colorado archery elk hunt. And Al, we want to thank you for the review on the podcast and the feedback and send you some Exo Mountain Gear and Hunt Backcountry podcast swag. So just send us your email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. And listeners, if you want to enter into these giveaways, it's real simple. We just want to hear from you. You can leave us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you're listening to this, or just contact us directly with your questions, comments, or feedback for the show. One of the things that Chris mentioned in this podcast interview is the University of Elk Hunting online course. And this is something we haven't talked about in a while, but is a fantastic resource, especially if you're learning to hunt elk. No matter where you're coming from, what your experience is, this is, in my personal opinion, the best single resource out there to learn how to hunt elk. So it's from elk101.com. You can go to elk101.com forward slash online course to look at the University of Elk Hunting. If you go there, check it out, and are interested in signing up, you can use the code EXO20, that's EXO20, to save $20 off of the course. And also, if you're a member of the course, you can save 10% off of your EXO Mountain Gear purchases. So that's another perk for you. Again, you can check that out at elk101.com forward slash online course. All right, let's get into the show with Chris Williams. Chris, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Mark, absolutely. Honestly, like I, like I told you, humbled for the invite. Oh, that's cool, man. I'm excited to share your story. It's, uh, again, you're a listener of the podcast and reached out, um, you know, not at all trying to get on the show, but just like shared some stuff from your season this past fall. And I knew it'd be a story that guys could relate to and learn from, and there'd just be a lot to, a lot to put in a show. So I'm glad to have you on and, and we'll dive into it. Um, before we dive into that story, just go ahead and give us, you know, some personal introduction, background, whatever you want to share there to help listeners understand a little bit about who you are. Okay, so I haven't been hunting all too long, probably compared, you know, some of the other stories you hear, guys have been doing it for a long time. I know you got some other guys that are new to it as well, but um, I was in the military, as was in the Marine Corps from 2006 to 10, and um, I, was, I was fortunate enough there, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I had a job that just we were constantly out in the woods with packs on, uh, just having that kind of, um, you know, just, just that folk, just, you're, you're very mission focused when you're out there with the smaller teams mm-hmm. and, um, coming back out back to where I live now in New Jersey. Um, you know, you, I was missing it. I was missing that kind of, uh, you know, pushing yourself in the outdoors. And so hunting kind of filled that void. Um, so here we just, you know, we have a deer season, a turkey season, the bear season is very, um, 
controversial, you know, go back and forth, unfortunately. So, so deer and turkey pretty much is all I was doing for a few years. Uh, I do have some family out in Colorado. Um, so I did get exposed to some, some of the Rockies, uh, just, just on like family trips, stuff like that. And, uh, it's where I felt like I needed to get to eventually. And, um, you know, the idea of that is a little intimidating just once you start learning about like, you know, what some of these tags can cost and hear the rumor mill more than, you know, guys really talking about it who have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so started, started to look into it. Uh, you know, mostly just talking to my cousin out there. And, uh, so 2017 was when we actually planned our first, my first elk trip. I had two buddies on board to go with me. Um, did a little bit of preparation for it. You know, I, I, I don't want to say I didn't go into it arrogant at all, but I, I did some listening. I, I definitely tuned into a few episodes of a uh, hunt back country before I went out there. Uh, I was familiar with a couple bigger names in elk hunting. I, I felt like I was doing some research. But um, <clears throat> anyway, got out there and uh, just was totally humbled by by what it's actually like to, to chase. I just went out there with, with I, I think uh, the biggest humbling factor was was my lack of knowledge on on how to find them and you know uh, fitness as well. Like I, you could tell, like after some of these days had gone by and you know feeling like I was in pretty good shape going out there, um, it really. Uh, it really made you kind of appreciate what all, what all needs to go into elk hunting. So, so I did, um, thought I did my homework before that trip, got out there, kind of had the experience I did was, was fortunate enough that I was in an area. It's a low success rate area, but I did, um, I, I did hear some elk and I did see some elk sign. So, uh, at, at the end of that trip, I mean, there, there was a few encounters where I was like communicating with a bull, but nothing, uh, nothing really came close to fruition. So, so that trip ends, we head home and I, you know, I felt like, uh, like, not like, you know, like you failed, you know, cause you learned some stuff and honestly, what, what do you expect your first time hunting elk out West, you know, from the East coast? Like you, you really don't know what you're getting into. You know what the animal looks like, you know, you know, that the, that that's like the Rockies or something else. So, yeah. Um, so I come home and, you know, I was planning fully like hungry to like do the research and head out next year, like a little with, you know, armed with way more, uh, just knowledge of, of, you know, how to, how to chase them and, and what to do. I mean, I mean that first trip, I, I know I, I, maybe I rushed through it. I apologize for going back, but like, we didn't even hunt midday. Uh, you know, we'd be back at base camp midday, which, you know, knowing like now I would never do that. Yeah, it's 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 one thing to I I think you wrote at one point to me that you felt like you had prepared for that trip, but then you got out there and you just did a lot of like aimless wandering, like oh I don't actually know what I am doing or should be doing. And honestly, man, I can relate to that. Like my first trip was a lot like that, and I I felt like I'd prepared a ton. But it's one of those things, man. Until you get out there and kind of get on their turf and you know just deal with okay now what like when you're actually in it sometimes it's just it's you don't know till you know you know yeah so then uh so after that then i had to take uh take a break uh we had our our second child in uh in august of of uh, 18 so so i wasn't able to hunt in 18 but uh my wife I, like totally out of the blue surprisingly a bunch she she my my brother that year in january had moved out to colorado and um 
So I have a brother that lives here as well. And she was like, you know, I want you guys, this is a month after my daughter was born, which I was, you know, never would have thought it would happen. She's like, why don't you just go out for a brother's trip? And, uh, I was like, okay. And, uh, so, so we headed out and I, 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 sc- I used the opportunity just to, uh, scout some like over the counter areas. Oh, cool. And that was again, humbling. Cause I was like, oh man, I was like, look at like, you know, look at the amount of, amount of people that are here. And, and I did some, some hiking to try and find anything that looked halfway decent. And it just, you know, it, it was like, it was that feeling where if I had a tag for this, it would have been, it definitely would have been money wasted. Cause again, I was just not prepared. I didn't know where to go again. I was, you know, walking down these trails and just kind of cutting old sign and, and, you know, not hearing anything. And I was like, all right, it's like, if, if I want this to ever go well, I'm going to have to, you know, hit it, hit it pretty, I'm just going to have to, you know, shorten that learning curve because you know, not being able to be in them or, or even near the Rockies for 99% of the year, uh, it, you know, it's, you got to do some listening, some reading, you know what I mean? You got to do, yeah. do the work on your end to kind of make up for that. So in that, in that break, like that time between your first trip and then you have this experience of going out there, not for a hunt, but just, you know, a trip where you're kind of scouting and hiking and just, you know, checking out areas still, and then knowing you want to plan another trip and you're now facing this reality of like, I need to, I need to up my game. Like I need to figure out what the heck I'm doing, how to make the most of this time. If I'm going to go again, like what were the things that you started to research? Like, how did you begin to put a plan together? What, you know, what resources do you find helpful? That type of thing. Cause I, I know there's a lot of guys listening who are probably like in your shoes, either they're, they're planning their first trip or, you know, they've, they've done some Western hunting, but maybe not with the success that they've wanted. And so they're trying to like take it to that next level, if you will. What I kind of, I mean, I did have a, a little bit of an, an advantage that I had hunted, you know, f- f- speaking with someone that wants on for the first time, it, they won't have this possibly, but the fact that I did get to hunt that area and, and get to hear some, some bulls and, and, uh, see some, get into some fresher sign. I, ha- I had that going for me. So after I did uh, scout that public, uh, I'm sorry, the over-the-counter stuff out, some other areas, uh, I, I figured I'd go back to this unit. And the unit that uh, that I'm applying for, you know, it's it's a no-point draw. You you know, so it's it's not it's not hard to get into it. But um, I, I was like, I'll go back there, even though the success rate's low, because at least I know where they were at certain times of the day. And if I can figure out where they want to be the rest of the day, I was like, I might have a good enough chance. And, and the hunting pressure wasn't terrible there, so I was like, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, like you guys, you guys were talking about a couple episodes ago. Like I would take that. I would take you know less pressure and less animals any day. Just for the experience of it, I think it just you know makes it a whole lot better. Um, so uh, so I got home, um, and then those like the YouTube uh, documentaries started uh, coming out that November, um, where you had like Destination Elk and the Born and Raised guys, and uh, I know the linguist rough cuts and stuff like that. I just I started um, trying to take everything I could out of out of those uh, you know you're just watching these guys doing it for real you know I, I know they're they're edited and stuff but i think they keep it as realistic as possible they're showing you exactly how this interaction started you know what they were doing how they got there and they're sharing just a ton of information you're not just hearing them talk about it you're, you're getting to see them do it yeah that was that was huge yeah that's valuable yeah uh i signed up for uh that elk 101 
course. Yeah. Um, yeah. The that, university of elk hunting. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I signed up for that. Uh, that was really helpful. I think the two key things I really uh, liked out of that was the, um, the scouting for elk, like without being able to be there. Yeah. You know how he, Corey kind of goes into where you should be looking for them. You know, what, what's going to, what's going to draw them to an area. Uh, he, he touches on e-scouting and then, uh, I know, uh, Randy Newbert really goes into some e-scouting stuff. So, so e-scouting obviously for me, and I know for a lot of other people, that's, that's huge. Yeah. You, you really got to be able to break down the map and in the 17 trip, I didn't really do that. You know, I, I kind of, I went out there and I was like, all right, we'll just figure it out. I'll mark stuff that I see and we'll go from there. And we were being reactive. And then, uh, I knew that that had to change. I had to, I had to switch like a more proactive approach. I had to go and start marking these, you know, and I focused on like, you know, north facing slopes, anything with water. Um, uh, well, actually, initially I was focused on water because I was, I was hearing, uh, as we got closer to the season, I, I heard that it was bad out west drought wise. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, ended up, one other thing that I, that I did, I, mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. So, so anyway, so, uh, so signed up for Oak 101, did that, paid attention to that course. Um, it, then I, Anytime I had the opportunity, so some police officer and, you know, we'll have like certain overtime jobs that uh, are kind of nice. You get, you get the, we're at home with the kids. I don't have too much time. My, my ride back and forth to work is pretty short, but if we're working overtime jobs, real nice. I can throw, I can listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I started the Hunt Back Country podcast. It, it was like an encyclopedia. Like I just, I would, I would focus on anything, um, Anything that was about elk hunting specifically, uh, I'd listen to it more than once. Uh, anybody, anytime you guys did the features of like successful hunters, um, you know, like uh, Russ Meyer was on there for a few different species. Love listening to him. Uh, Ryan Lampers, uh, great to listen to. Um, as you guys got closer to the season, uh, when you did that elk week, the expert roundtable. Yeah. Like all that stuff was just unbelievable because you're getting just like so much. I, I, I there was none of those uh, listening to those episodes once just wasn't enough. Um, I did, uh, I did this, this one episode that it really stood out to me. This guy, uh, if you remember, uh, Bow Hiker to Elk Killer, I think was the name of it. Uh, and I, I listened to that and he, so I, and I had the same initial impression of Paul with uh, Paul Medell, and I was listening to, to his his podcast. You know, um, the Elk Not the Elk Not Returns, and, and every follow on that he that he had, I listened to him, and I was just thinking, like, man, this is this sounds really complicated. Like, could I could I actually you know know all this going into the woods? Like, is it worth is it worth like tying up what I'm thinking about in the moment? You know? Yeah to, to kind of focus on what I'm saying or the communication side of it when like, I should be thinking of like, how's my setup? Like what's the wind doing? You know, like all these other things that you need to think about at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. When Paul gets, when, when he gets talking, man, it's like so much information's coming out so fast. It's like, <laughs> it's drinking from right. a fire hose for sure. It's intimidating. You know, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. like, man, it's like, I, that sound, this guy sounds really knowledgeable, but I don't know if I can, you know, if I could do it. Like so, how does that apply to somebody in your situation with your level right. of knowledge and experience? Yeah. Right, right. So I, I went, and I, I, but I did download that Elknot app. Uh, a huge fan of it, and and I'm I'm really glad that I did because I think it made a big difference. Just just that amount of understanding. Yeah. You know. So, 
pull that apart, not to cut you off, sorry, but pull yeah. that apart with like elk nut. Mm-hmm. You hear it, there's so much information, it can be intimidating. Like what did come together for you? What began to make sense? Like what were the the practical takeaways, if you will, that you applied? Because I know that other guys who have heard Paul or can go back and hear Paul will experience the same feeling you did. I mean, shoot, I, I, I feel that way at times um, yeah. for sure. So I'm just really, really curious of what were – like when you boiled it down for you, what did become practical? What were the takeaways? Uh, I I tried to follow everything he said as close as I could. Uh, I, the, the, I guess there was probably like some slight modification on, on some things, but I mean up to that point – I, I had really, you know, like thought that the more aggressive, like run, you know, location bugle, like, uh, you know, all right, next ridge location bugle, like that was going to be the best style. Cause I thought that, you know, that was, if I find one, then I'll start worrying about everything else. Like that's kind of the way it would go. And, yeah. and ha- how, um, remembering the area that I was in, I was like, I know, I know a couple areas that I want to hit and I know there's elk there. Like and, and just it's just a matter of getting in there and playing the game versus just running around and throwing out bugles, right, right. Yeah. And his philosophy, like I know that I can kind of get their attention, you know, if if I if I follow this formula, and I was like, it's definitely worth a try because I wasn't getting their attention. I, I mean, the first trip I was I couldn't bugle to save my life. Like I would do it, I, I could do it in a truck or do it like in my basement, and then you'd get to. <laughs> You know, you, yeah, your heart rate up, and, and yeah. you're supposed to be talking to an elk. You're like, oh man, that didn't sound good. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm totally laughing with you. Just thinking of my first trip, it was the same way, man. Like I I thought I could bugle ish, <laughs> and then I got yeah. out there in the woods, and I was like, what am I doing? Right, you know, right. Yeah, there's like there's like a good minute conversation with yourself, like, all right, dude, get your heart rate down a little bit before you even try this again, because that sound you're just whistling through this thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, I mean that was another great, great, uh, takeaway from it. Cause, cause you're listening to the, um, you know, the university elk hunting has it too, where like, you know, you can run through all the, all the sounds and stuff you're going to make, but then with the app and if when you were using that and you're like practicing all these different sounds and it made you pretty confident, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with your calling. Cause you, you know, you were, you were making a lot of different noises and, you know, you were trying to memorize these sequences and practicing these sequences out and, and to, to master these sequences or like to at least feel comfortable with them, you were doing a ton of calling practice. So I think that was helpful. Uh, just mastering like your notes and to, to the point where I got there this year and I was like, man, I was like, even day one where I thought like I'd have some kinks to work out. I was like, man, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable with this. And, and then, uh, like, like I was saying, the, the fact that you, I was just like, I want to try this to, to possibly flush flush the animals out there there that are just not responding. Maybe, maybe they want something a little bit different. Maybe, you know. And and I wasn't after any kind of trophy bull. I was I was after. I did want a bull, but I was you know at least early in the week. I'm sure my standard was that high. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's what I was going for. I was just trying to trying to see if see if it would work. Yeah, that's cool. Well. Uh... We'll dive into the story from this past fall and pull that apart. And there's there's so much to get out of that. But before we do, I just want to, you know, touch on it. It's something we've talked about, but something that comes up over and over and over again. Um, for a guy in your situation, you know, you're in New Jersey and then you're going to hunt in the Rockies. I know you trained. Um, 
and you you did consistency with shooting on both of those aspects. Let's start with the shooting first. You had mentioned to me not only shot every day, but there's a couple things just worth touching on. You mentioned you shot with your pack on as well, and then you also tried to make it difficult. And I, I'm assuming by that you mean you weren't just like, you know, staying at the 20 yard line and just drilling the bullseye, but you were trying to make it, you know, more realistic, whether that's with a higher heart rate or whatever. So what did your kind of like shooting uh, practice look like? Yeah. Uh, if, when I, when I could do it, and I wish I did it more like shooting every day was pretty much your typical. I'd go back to, I was making sure I was shooting, you know, 50, 60, 70, you know, every, um, as much as I could with the pack on, uh, some days with the kids and stuff, you know, the pack wouldn't get to come out, but, um, just taking a few steps before, you know, you're shooting at like, you know, 50 yards, like, like taking a couple of side steps and then like crouching down or, if uh, if I could walk back, I got, there's a little there's like a creek or some woods by my house. If I can uh, I could set the target up, some angles, some some kind of brush between you, you and the target, and uh, so you're kind of calling your distance, like what you know you're kind of predicting some arrow flight stuff because yeah. ha- haven't seen it out there, like you just, it's thick, yep. and, uh, and there's definitely those situations where it's like, look, this is 30 yards, and, and I know I can hit 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 this hit this animal, but it's not a uh, you know, it's not a clear shot all the way to him. Like, what, what am I, am I going to sail over that? Am I going to go right through it? So yep. I wanted to be pretty comfortable knowing that. Um, signed up for a couple of those uh, shoots, you know, like the, the total archery challenge nice. uh, type shoots. We had, we had a local one. Again, those are hard to get to, too, because there's not a ton of that stuff around us. Yep. Um, I had to drive to Vermont this year. I'm driving to Pennsylvania for it. Um, you know, five hours, you're talking pretty much on average to get to something like that. We do have, there's a local one that we have, uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, that'd be the hottest day of the year that we went and did that, which I kind of actually appreciated, uh, definitely getting some looks being there with all my, you know, hunting clothes and, and my XO on, but it was, uh, definitely, definitely worth it. Cause that, that kind of training is just like, you know, you, it's worth its weight in gold, that, that confidence. It's, it was something, uh, I think I took it out of. I thought uh, maybe Russ Meyer said it. Well, some one of the one of the guests said it definitely on your show. Uh, just like the visualization, yep. Uh, being able to capitalize like how that how that plays such a such a big role that like if if you go out there like yeah okay I could shoot twenty and thirty and forty, you know perfect conditions in my yard and stuff. But it's like that's it's never going to be like that. It's gonna it's gonna be like you're twisting, you're turning. So just, you know shooting angles my. My kid has a swing set, so they'd obviously be inside, and I'd you know try to post up on the side of that, like you know, <laughs> cool. walk, walk, like walking around a tree. It's just uh, any, anything that I could that I could do reasonably, you know, out there with my however however long I had to shoot each day, which usually wasn't too too much, uh, just to just to make it interesting and and picture what it would be like, you know, and, and like you said, getting your heart rate up that was huge. You know, lunges sprints back and forth to the target you know if you could knock out some push-ups to pack on up and down the driveway stuff like that just i, I think it makes a big difference yeah so just out there looking like a crazy guy like neighbors wondering yeah. what the heck's going on pretty much absolutely I have cool neighbors i appreciate yeah. them <laughs> that's cool um so training like new jersey's uh not necessarily known for massive mountains what what do you do to prep for hitting the rockies the hikes it, when you can get out on them we do have some at least some steeper climbs so yeah. kind of made up even the flat stuff me and i had another buddy was going to idaho and uh it was his first trip so we we would go we made up for 
elevation with weight. I don't know if that's the right way to do it or not, but we would just put a lot of weight in the packs yeah. and go, go cover some ground. I mean, I, I just walk up and down the hills in my neighborhood as bad as it sounds. It's like all you can get easily. Yeah. Um, the back stuff, because you know how it is. Like, if you even if you lunge it out every day in the gym all day, you're still gonna. There's still an element to carrying a pack yep. that uh, that you just want to be used to. So, I mean, honestly, you guys pack. It's, I know, I know, you guys like never talk about it on the show, which is really awesome. But it, it's awesome, and that pack does not take a whole lot of getting used to. And I've carried, I used to carry them all the time, and and I remember what it was like. And it's it's crazy how nice it it actually is. But um. Yeah, so I, I would just carry it when I could, hit the gym when I could, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure more wouldn't hurt because even with all that I tried to do, um, you know, you still get out there and that elevation still hits you a little bit the first couple of days. But but all in all, uh, you know, I, I think I didn't. I'm not the type of person that really sets like a, you know, this week I'm gonna do this many miles this day and then this day and then this day. It's just like. Take take the hour or two hours that I have and and do the best with it and just try to you know try to try to get outside your comfort zone a little bit and uh, and just kind of the whole time you're doing that the driving force should be no matter what I do here and now it's going to be a little tougher when I get there so you know just with the lack of oxygen and everything so just kind of work out with that as your goal yeah you've touched on it like in passing when as we're talking about training talking about shooting like you got to take the the time that you do have and then you've mentioned your kids how do you like balance all that not only like finding the time to go on a hunt to colorado that's like one thing is how do you find a a week off this year but how do you even find in the day-to-day like the time to whether that's train whether that's shoot whether it's you know get online and do research or scouting like what has worked well what maybe lessons have you learned just about balancing your pursuit um, of elk hunting and then, you know, working and family and all that good stuff. Oh, my wife is incredible. And uh, I'm glad you're not asking her that question. And <laughs> my take on it might be a different take, but no, she's, uh, she's really supportive of it. The trip is the, you know, the bit, the big part, but, um, it's the scouting. I mean, my, my son, he's three, he's into it, which is, which is cool. I mean, so, you make it fun for the kids and like, I mean, even my daughter's getting to the point now where you put, if you're, if you put something on TV, if I'm watching, if I'm watching any of these, uh, like docu-series or whatever, whatever they'd be called or, or anything, just, uh, you know, if I got a podcast on in the truck, he'll be listening and asking me questions about it. If I, if I break out a bugle tube and start calling, he's into it. He's got his own little bow now. So if yeah. you kind of stop looking at it, like, um, all right, I need, I need my own, I need my own bubble, which you do need those days too. You know, there's days where you're trying to, you're outside, you're trying to tweak something with your bow or, or whatever. And, and you can't really watch the kid as well. You know, that's, that's where my wife comes in and I'm like, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to get outside at some point. You tell me when it is. And, uh, you know, for this long, I, I really appreciate it. And she always just made it work. And, uh, you know, the other times you just kind of got to do the extra work to, to be like, all right, you know, I'm focusing myself this percentage of the time, but then, you know, I got to go help him shoot three arrows and then I'm going to go back and I'll shoot my, you know, I'll shoot my three arrows and then I'll go back and we'll set his target up. And, and so that kind of, yeah, that's great, man. Yeah. It's easy to get like just stuck in this mindset of, I have to find the time 
separate from the kids or whatever to do X, Y, or Z versus what you're saying is like integrate them in that, like make them a part of it. You'll get some work done, you know, you'll get some prep done, but then you're having time with them to like, just, you know, bring it together as much as possible. And that'll probably help you quote unquote, find the time. Right. Cause at that point you're not trying to have it all be separate. Yeah. Yeah. Then for sure. Like I, I, you know, you're always thinking like, uh, 10, 10 years down the road, it'd be cool if that's just part of his life too, or her life too. And yeah, planting they, the seeds. Yeah. They want to be into it and then you don't want to be outside. Like, no, nah, this is, this is my time, long time outside. You know, like I said, you, right. do, you definitely need it. There's times where, you know, you have a concern or you're, you're, you know, you want to get some, some of those distant shots in, but you know, it's not even hard to walk outside and, and I'll do, do a couple of those distant shots and like, okay, you know, Jimmy, come on outside. And then, then we're back into, you know, he doesn't have the attention span to stay with the boat for too long yet. <laughs> right. But it's, I'm just hoping that it's like you said, playing the seed. And he's just like, yeah, look, and we're, we're outside shooting the bow, even if he's, you know, digging in his sand in a sandbox or something. So, yeah, cool. Um, so let's start to talk about, uh, this past fall, your hunt to Colorado. You've mentioned it. You were going back to a unit you had been in before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had obviously found some elk there. Um, uh, it, you mentioned it's a low success rate. So I'm assuming a, it's lower success rate, but as you, I think you mentioned, like you just, you were banking on that. You want to go back to that spot knowing that you thought you could find elk, right? Because I, I think what I want to address is, especially if guys are newer hunting out of state, trying to find a spot, there's this, there's this decision that needs to be made on, maybe going back to a unit you've tried but didn't have success in versus trying a new unit and some you know some guys they'll bounce from unit to unit to unit five years but they're not really getting to know a unit because they're always trying something new versus you know maybe this isn't like the quote-unquote perfect unit there isn't one by the way secret um but having some consistency even if it's a low success rate unit could help you find success um so I'm, I'm assuming that's how you were looking at it right yeah like you know if i had gone that whole first trip and didn't hear a bugle or didn't see any good fresh sign or you know maybe it would have been different but i was not running into hunters and i was i was hearing this stuff and i was like so there's got to be something to it and there's i know there's people that'll go plenty of places and not even get what i got the first you know the, the first year you also mentioned time frame and talk about when you went um, this past fall and why you made that decision based off of what you had seen previously. Like, what? Why did you pick the dates that you did the time of September to go? Um, I think I watched. I think I thought like Corey Jacobson had put something out on uh on like what you know he puts like a forecast for it. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll check this out. And then uh, the muzzleloader season overlaps. And it starts earlier than I wanted to go. And just like, you know, my, my cousin who lives out there, he had said, it seems like the rut, you know, starts later and later. And, you know, I don't know if that's accurate. I know I, I, tr- I do believe it's all the same, the same time. You know, it's, it's you know, there's people way smarter than me that, that know what triggers those things. So yeah. I just, uh, I thought later in the season, I thought even the hunters that were there earlier might be not so invested and um the muzzle loaders would have been getting out of the woods and uh, at that point you know it's kind of like 
I, even if they would be more difficult to call away, you know, and, and I, you always hear this like later in September, um, you know, the herd bulls are, are with their cows and they're going to be hard to call away. And I was like, well, that's great because I don't want a herd bull. I want a bull. And if, yeah. I, if that herd bull sounded off, then I'm going to have a good idea where some satellite bulls are. Right. So settled on uh, right at the end of the muzzleloader uh, for, for those reasons. I'm probably missing a few, but that yeah. was uh, that was why mostly. Yeah, no, that's good for sure. It's helpful. So you uh, you had mentioned you drove out feeling pretty con- pretty confident and determined, but fully prepared to be humbled. And I said that that was such a such a good frame of mind, right? Like you had you had done a lot more preparation. You have more knowledge than the first time. Like you have some reasons to be more confident, and then you have this high level of determination. But you're also uh, not negative, but like fully realistic of like this is still very difficult. So you're confident you're determined and prepared to be humbled all at the same time i just thought that that was such a helpful like perspective or frame of mind to go into an account with yeah you, I, I think you got to have a good attitude and you gotta you know it's like the humbled part like it, it gets a hard balance but you, you got to be realistic with with it i think but you got to know it, it's hard to I feel like that doesn't even make sense as I'm explaining it. Like you're being realistic. Like I'm, I'm almost like explaining it to my, my brother because he's going out with me the first time he's ever been out west, and I'm like, you know, it's 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 no joke, man. Like we're gonna be beating ourselves up to get to these places, and and uh, and it, we're gonna work for it. Um, but just with the amount of time that I'd focused on it and put in, I was like, all right, this is. I'm not going out there to to stand around while while I hear a bugle and just like hope something comes to me. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go be aggressive and have fun with it. And uh, you know, not to sound corny, but the out the successful outcome of a hunt isn't always coming back with you know with, with a tag punch. So um, I, I thought that I, like I was confident that I was gonna get some encounters, you know, and that that was kind of. I guess maybe that's where I'm coming from with like, you know, you're, you're ready to be humbled, but confident and confident, in like what my expectations were. Yeah. That makes total sense. So go ahead and dive into the story a bit. I, I didn't think it was the second day or was it the first day you actually got into some elk on the trip? The, the second day. So the first day, just hunted the evening, uh, I walked to an area. I'd heard some bugles, uh, a few, you know, two years earlier. Then I knew they were, they'd be coming down that way if they were in the area around, you know, around sunset to kind of get to some lower line, like feeding and, um, uh, didn't, didn't work out the first day. So the second day, um, one of the spots that I had marked out, um, you know, after speaking with like the wildlife biologists and stuff and said, anyway, I marked this out and I liked it because even though there was a trail running not too far from it, you had to get off the trail and pretty quickly climb a thousand feet to drop into this, uh, little, little, uh, drainage. So we did that. And the second we got up and my brother's ready to kill me already on day two. And, um, he's like, I don't know, a thousand feet is probably not a lot, you know, for most people, I'm not sure what the average uh, person is doing on a daily basis, but oh, for us, yeah, you get off the trail and pull a thousand feet pretty quick. It's, it's, yeah. it's some work. Yeah. So, uh, we, we get up and, and right away we're into like some, some giant rubs, like a decent line. I, I hit, uh, you know, I was trying to do like some location bugles once we got up there. It was windier. It was, it was actually the wind in that drainage was got like, the wind on the trail on the climb was intense. And we got over in the drainage and it was like, wow, this is great. Like this is the wind is completely blocked. I'll be able to hear stuff now. It's cool. So definitely seemed worth it right away with the sign. 
and uh, let a couple of bugles out. I think I cow called and got a response from, you know, down the drainage ways and uh, kind of stayed quiet working towards it. You know, got to the point where I, I had heard it so much earlier that I now I kind of lost my bearing on exactly where I wanted to be to hear it again. Or, you know, where I thought that bull would have been. Yeah. So we, we walked and walked, eventually kind of giving up on that. Uh, I shouldn't say giving up. We were still working the area, but not working as, as aggressively because we were like, okay, look, we're going nuts trying to find where this happened. Let's, let's just chill, take a take a lunch break. So uh, it's getting pretty hot. Uh, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's kind of warm even over here in North Face and Slope that we're on. Um, find, let me find some water. So I'm like, so it's a, it's a drainage, but like way down the hill, you know, and I thought just this time of day they would be, they would be up higher. And uh, from here in the bugle, it just kind of gave me an idea where I figured they, they just might be. So, so I found uh, just another little seepage uh, around, like maybe maybe uh, you know 400 yards from where we we sat down to eat lunch, and we walked over there um, to get back on the. Well, I just, we just walked over the seepage. I'll leave it at that. And then um, I let I think I let a bugle out and. Um, and got a response instantly, uh, and it was it, the bull had to be hundred under 150 yards away when he responded. And uh, so our plan was, uh, you know, with with me, I, my brother didn't know how to call, but he knew how to. He, you know, he was raking, so he he went back, and this is the first time I think he maybe first or second time he had set gotten a setup where he was raking, and uh, he just started thrashing some tree and. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! As as I'm watching some after after spending the entire first six days in Colorado, every day that I'd been in Colorado looking for elk, I, I hadn't seen, I'd heard them, but I hadn't actually seen one. Yeah. Um, and then I got a bull that's you know probably just under 300 inches, just what I'd guess uh, coming up over a little ridge in front of me, and I was like, no way! I was like, it's you know it's day two, and this thing's just coming in on a string, ready to you know, go looking for where my brother's raking from. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't even the herd bull down there. Cause I, cause he, the, the herd bull was responding. This, this bull was uh pretty timid. So, you know, he kind of like, he, he kind of like closed. I'm sorry. Good. No, I was sorry to catch you up. This one that was coming in, was he coming in quiet and the, the herd bull was just still down there responding? Yes. He was coming yeah. in quiet. He, he actually, he wanted the bugle once. It was kind of funny. He wanted the bugle and then he kind of like ducked his head low and turned around to kind of almost see, <laughs> where, the, where the behind him was you know like he right, wanted right. To, and then he was like yeah I better not yeah uh and he came into 30 yards and i'm doing it and but it's so thick and you know i'm i'm full draw and I'm, I'm moving around moving around moving around but he's got he's got a couple little limbs that i think are too close i think they're gonna hit my arrow if uh if i launched at him so he um he ends up not you know he can't see where the source of the raking is he doesn't like it so he kind of uh trots down the hill a little bit and then uh we keep calling back and forth because that the the herd bull down there doesn't really know what's going on with him so so he's still communicating and then he kind of just you know it's, it's more like a it almost and this is why it's uh it's good to you know really listen to what paul has to say because then you like you hear the style of bugle and you're like you know that kind of sounds like this that kind of sounds like a roundup bugle and then he starts to move his cows away and you're like oh, okay that, yeah okay that, that's that's exactly how he kind of described it and that's that's what it sounded like so you kind of get what's going on like okay I didn't yeah. scare this elk uh, this elk didn't like that there was another elk bugle right here and he called his cows in and he left right and 
the mistake I made there, that, that bull, that, that really nice bull that ran that, you know, kind of didn't like what he wasn't seeing that, that ran down the hill. Um, I, we set up, we stayed still for a little bit afterwards and we did some calling and, and kind of just let everything settle down. I was letting my heart rate come down and, uh, we, uh, we get up and go walking down towards them. I'm like, all right, if they moved over here, you know, with, with the way, with what the thermals are doing, I think we can get up over here and maybe get another set of them once they kind of have, have calmed down. And then we, we jumped that, that nice bull was kind of creeping back in again. I don't know if he was like scent checking or, or what, but he was coming right back into where I could have shot him earlier. And I scared him out of there. So, uh, took that as a lesson learned where like if, if something kind of just like was slightly uncomfortable to maybe, maybe give a little more time, you know, if, if, if you don't get, didn't get the impression that he right. fully blew out on you. Yep. Gotcha. One thing you mentioned in there that, uh, I just don't want to overlook. You said that when the bull's coming in, he's focused on trying to find that source of the raking or that's what he's coming mm-hmm. into. Right. And you mentioned you were moving to try and make a shot opportunity happen to try and find that lane. Right. Right. Um, it's just so easy to overlook that. And especially for guys who are newer, especially for someone like in your shoes with, you know, more of a whitetail background to just don't forget that a lot of times you can move, like you can be aggressive. You don't have to be just like totally quote unquote pinned down, especially exactly in that situation. If a bull is coming in looking for something mm-hmm. and that thing has his attention and you're not in that direct path, like let's say that you're on the quote unquote arc is like Corey Jacobson would talk about, right? Right. You typically are going to have some freedom to like move and make that opportunity happen. Cause if you just freeze and stay still, you're just at the mercy of everything being perfect now. And, and that bull stepping into a lane versus taking the time and the effort to move and make that shot opportunity happen. It didn't play out like in this specific scenario, but um, most likely if it was going to happen, it would have been cause you would have then moved and found that lane. So I just wanted to make sure that that, um, is apparent to guys who might've been listening to that. Yeah. Even, uh, I had, I called in another bull in that same area, uh, it was a couple days later, even got away with even more movement on him, uh, where I, I had messed up. Um, right, do you want like the whole story on that? Or do you want just like, just the part with movement? No man, yeah. Whatever, you're, whatever you think would be good to share there. Uh, so, so like that was the day where we we tried to we came back in same thing like you know over the um, over the into that same drainage and uh, we we tried this slow play a few times like we would just set up and, and we'd go through all our sounds and kind of build it up and build it up and build it up and you know I'm sure I wasn't doing it perfect but I had the, we had the gist of it and um, we the the. Maybe the second spot we'd set up and done that on, we we kind of by the time we were like, okay, like that's enough for this, like we're gonna we're gonna move on, and uh, you know having that encounter the first time just maybe, you know, it really kind of gets you super cautious in that area. You're like, man, that was good. I don't think I really freaked anything out in here, but at the same time, if I keep pushing and pushing and pushing, I could lose a good thing, and that that was the way my my brain was working. So. I was like, all right, let's let's take it nice and easy, like aggressive. I felt like it was aggressive, but it was smart because we we're gonna take it nice and easy as we worked in to where I, I felt the elk would be again midday that day. So again, it's around twelve o'clock, and um, <clears throat> and uh, we're working we're working down after that last setup, and 
same thing, like kind of cutting a line towards that the seep. So the seep, so drainage. And if I use any wrong terms, I really apologize. So the drainage is just like the you know like the the bigger you know um, like the valley of this uh, you know like canyon or holler or whatever you want to call it. And then then yet the seepages are just like little tributaries of that, right? Is that yep. that making sense? Yeah. yeah. So. So cutting our way down to this little seepage again, I'm like, okay, that, that seemed like a really great area for them. Like it was super, super thick in there, super thick cover. We, we find like wallows and, and everything was destroyed and there was tracks everywhere and there was, there was, they had everything they needed, they had security, food and water. So creeping down that way, uh, doing slow plays as we do it and then gave up on the second slow play, like I said, maybe the day and, and started walking again. And then I was still trying these location bugles, which, I was not getting responses in like the thicker timber. It seemed like I never got responses from a distance, either never got the responses or couldn't hear them. And, uh, until, but I would still do them because if they were right, if you got right on them, they would, they would respond and then you would know right where they were, but you had that, like you had to get a setup going really, really quick. Yeah. That's going to happen fast. So at that point. yeah. So, so let a bugle out again. And again, this bull responds, I'm, I'm saying 80 yards, maybe he's closer to hundred yards response, but I have a nice little, there's just like a little hill between me and him. So, so I kind of, I work up against to try to set up that arc like you were talking about. And, uh, and my brother gets to raking again and his bull crests this little hill and I, I, I'm drawn on him already and I'm, but I'm, I'm aiming right at him. You know, I got a frontal shot and I'm like, eh, he might, he might step to the right. I was like, I'll wait till I get a better shot. So he, he does step to the right starts closing the distance with my brother and I thought he was going to maybe move like another, you know, a couple yards before he really was like, I don't like this. I should see an elk by now. I'm pretty much wide open in this. I, and I wanted to give myself some lanes. I did it intentionally. Uh, and, and he starts walking right towards me. And so I'm like, I'm drawn on him. And I'm like, I, but now he's at an angle. Now he's, now he's, he's taking it's like quartering two at that point. Right. He's, quartering two to where I don't have a frontal right because I'm just gonna have his shoulder you know so yeah. so I can't take that shot so now I'm, I'm like oh man so so he walked this bull walks to within he's under he's under 10 feet of me like immediately to my side I'm trying to spin on him as slow as I can just to to get the bone and like stuff you'd never get away with with a deer you know yeah. to where he's he's walking to this raking I mean I got pretty pretty close to spinning 90 degrees as he's 10 feet away from me and letting an arrow go. Right. And, uh, you know, like it, it was insane. It's like, you felt like I could have reached out and just touched him. It was almost concerning. Cause I was like, if he decides to turn and run uphill, like I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, so I was like, and then he, he jumps on that and he goes back and I just, I, you know, I just kept a mouth calling and I, and, uh, and I chuckled. Uh, I chuckled at him. He stopped again. He looked back and he was like, well, and what was that? Why is that, why is that thing that was moving chuckling at me? And if he didn't have, uh, if he wasn't obstructed, I would have another perfect 15 yard shot at him. So, yeah. so what was it that busted him? It, me turning. You turning did. Okay. It, it was eventually me, but I got away with, with a lot before with, that. Within 10 feet wide open. There's no, nothing blocking his head. Not, it's completely wide open. It's just like, you know, the middle of, of uh, a completely open lane and he's and he's walking as i'm turning with you know full i got you know i got my pack on i'm standing there i'm, I'm <laughs> trying to trying to figure out how the shot's gonna play out and yeah almost almost shot him quartering away he made it he made it uh you know he had walked past me at, t- at 10 feet as i'm moving jeez so i bet your heart was just uh, a little bit elevated 
that was just like yeah that was something else that, that was a that was definitely a cool experience <laughs> that's amazing man so this was still what three four days into the trip you've had these encounters yeah that, that would have been day three that's amazing or, man. no no the close-up would have been day four yeah day four okay cool I think, yeah if I, i'm not i'd better have to like yeah, day one, day two, day three, because day three. So I'm, I'm, I was bouncing around a little bit because there was the, because the the email that I'd sent to you that was on the third day. Oh, okay. And then and then I and then the fourth day was you know all of that and then um, kind of everything that went into that and then the fifth day was when we we had gotten back into it. Gotcha. So cool. so actually it would have been the fifth day. Okay. Cool. Um. I don't know where this happened in the timeline, but it w- it came across as we were talking back and forth with email and stuff about you actually had an elk come across the road. And then you said at one point you were seeing a ton of sign pretty close to the road. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, we were driving cause my, my brother had a, had a deer tag. So we were out and we kind of wanted to, um, do, you know, do some walking get, get somewhere that we could, uh, get up high, get away from everybody and, and glass a bunch and see if he could set something up. And, um, we're just driving up this road and I, you know, didn't really have high expectations for any, any, uh, any elk on, especially cause once you hit this, uh, this particular road, there's a, just a ton of, of parking of trucks parked on the sides. So as, as we're driving and I pass another spot, I'm, I'm looking down at the map and I, I did have some stuff marked out out there, not knowing what, um, what it would look like, you know, people wise. So, so we're passing some stuff and I'm telling them, oh, I think it, look, it looks good over here to the left. I'm like, oh, there's a couple of trucks parked there. So we keep on going and, uh, you know, out in front of us starts to see like two, you know, there's two cows in the road and there's a third. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a bull with them. And then, uh, out of the woods comes a, you know, and I wish I was better at this. I, I guessed them to be 320 ish, you know, three, 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 10, maybe like right around there. He's over 300. Yeah solid bull like oh man like that's look at him so so he's then he jumped he runs across the road and i like yeah they're just, they're just getting back into the cover they weren't freaked out so i'm like all right well you know it's not really what i expected but i'm here to hunt so i'm gonna go <laughs> right. park up here and i'm gonna get down and i'll see if we can get into him and, and chase him a little bit and and where he ran to there's a ton of stuff for them to get into so we shouldn't have rushed it i should have parked further up and uh and used you know because we we were using thermals, all that was right, but I where I actually parked, thinking I was far up. I guess they must have come across the road and started cutting up towards that, uh, yeah. Walking with the wind at their back, almost up this other drainage, and and uh, you know, I'm uh, we walk in the woods and and I and I get away with a couple calls, and then I just start hearing them stampeding out of there. But there must have been cows that I missed, and uh, they they were definitely closer to me than I thought when I when I walked in. So hmm. we blew that, but then we. Um, and, and at that point I was like, look, it was probably just coincidence. We caught him here. We went and we did, uh, we spent the day going after deer, but then came back later on that day. And I was like, look, we have a little bit of time. Let's get off the road and see what's going on out here. And, uh, it was insane. Like just, just wallow after wallow after, after giant broke off pine. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me with how close we are to this road and how much it seems like they're through here. I was like, I bet they're through here. You know, I, I bet you that's at, at first seeing the trucks down the road, and then seeing them cross gave me the feeling that maybe that bull had, maybe they had just gotten pushed over there. Yeah. 
and that was more of like a spot, you know, like a spontaneous thing. But then I got in there and I was like, wow, it seems like you want to be here every day. And we're not, it's, it's a steep walk. You know, it's an easy walk from the road. It's steep to get back the road, but it was, uh, you're talking maybe two, maybe two, 300 yards from the road into some really, really good elk sign. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy how much time we've passed already. So much good stuff, but let's, let's jump to the encounter where you shootable. Um, how did this encounter play out? Um, we had spent a day doing some easy stuff cause my brother was hurting from the day before. And, uh, so, you know, we were like, we, we just walked, walked around in some areas I wanted to check out. I was like, look, they're not, they're not too far. What I like about that's Onyx just saves you with the, I think it was an area that some people don't even like to go because you can get into private going that way. But it's so clear that like you could, there's all this huntable stuff. And, and I think, I think the concern, the concern is what most people have for hunting over there. Unless they just don't know about the area is the private. And, um, and you got to get across a Creek to get over there, which at a port at a point in this Creek, it's, it's jump. You're going to get a little bit wet, but you can jump across it. So, uh, so we were in there and, uh, spent the day kind of looking around at some stuff that are really, it's like a, you know, I don't know, 10 year old burn or something, which is like super thick, kind of annoying to walk through, maybe older than that, even annoying to walk through. Um, so we, we come out and we're actually about to leave and, uh, I was like, just one last ridge. I'm annoying. I'm, I'm like, just, just do it one more time. Let's just, let's just set up one more time and see what we get. So we, we set up, we do a little, little bit of the slow play type stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe it was more like an advertising kind of sequence if, if you know, uh, those, those sequences, but then we're like, okay, look, I'm sorry. Like, let's just, let's just get back. So, so we start walking out and, um, and a, a bull bugles, like as he's coming down, which, similar to the experience I had a couple years earlier. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I, I think I know what he might want to do. So we start trying to close the distance, um, with him, you know, cause I'm like, I, I know kind of the way it plays out similar, you know, it's, it's similar to like hunting turkeys or whatever. Like if, if you do it from a distance, like it's almost like it puts them like a little bit on guard and they don't want to, you know what I mean? Like they, they kind of build up their, yeah, I, I'm going to start pushing him this way almost how, you, how it plays out in your head. Like you want to get in that comfort zone before you really start calling to him. So I didn't get as close as I wanted to the first time. And, uh, we start doing the thing where we're, we're, we're calling, I'm calling, he's raking. I'm thinking we're within like a hundred yards of this bull. We're probably like three, 300 yards away from this bull. And he answers again. I'm like, Oh man, but he's answering pretty consistently. So. I'm like, all right, let's really try to close this distance. Now I'm running back because I'm trying to get super aggressive. I'm running up. I'm leaving my brother who's raking. I mean, like at one point, maybe like a hundred yards behind me. I'm like, I'm like, damn, I got to run back and get him. And (laughs) yeah, so, so I run back and grab him and we get as close as we can to where I heard the last, the last bugle. And, uh, I'm at, I'm, I'm in a a pretty bad spot because I got an open meadow in front of me. And I have just a ton of blowdown. It's just steep blowdown, just hard, you know, hard stuff to kind of navigate through quiet before I start calling again. So I was like, I'm not 100% sure where he's going to be at. So, you know, on the edge of this meadow, it seemed like, in my mind, it seemed like the dumbest setup. I'm on the edge of this meadow, but I'm like, I think it's all I have. And I'm telling that, I'm like, there's no way you're calling this bull out of timber on the other side of this meadow. So start, I start going. And, uh, what I, what, what I, I lacked in setup, my goal was to make up in just like 
aggression, uh, you know, of calling. So I wouldn't let him finish a bugle. Uh, I wouldn't let him, uh, make any noises without me making more of them back at him. You know, he's like popping at me and, and he's raking trees and he's bugling. It was just like, I don't know how long this went on for. I'm guessing it had to be 20 minutes. You know how it is. Like everyone thinks a fight lasted, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes and they were doing 30 seconds, but yeah, yeah. It went on for a while because I remember thinking, I remember looking back at my brother who's raking not too far from me. I'm like, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I don't have, uh, I don't have too much left in me to continue doing this. So, you know, he would, it, it was almost, so I wouldn't let him finish Bugle. I say that. And then as we get to the end of this, like he, I'd let him get like two or three of them. And I'm like, this isn't even going to play out. What am I doing? And, uh, you know, get, get your steam built back up and then get back to calling. So as it's going on and on, uh, a really nice bull enters the meadow. It would have been what to the east of where he was, I believe. Anyway, it enters the meadow, not from where this. Yeah, he entered the meadow east of, of where this. This I'm calling this bull. And uh, I'm I'm like I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm not tunnel vision on this bull because I, I could see so much of this uh, the side of that meadow, and it's not it's not a gigantic meadow. We're talking like to the other complete other side. You're talking seventy yards. Yeah, like a little pocket. Yeah, like a little pocket. So. So um, I'm looking to, because I'm like, I should be able to see this bull because he's raking and popping at me so close to the end of uh, end of this clearing that I'm like, how can I not see him yet? And then as I'm searching for him as hard as I can, kind of stepping around to see where he might come out, if he's going to come out, I see that this other bull enters, enters the, the pocket. And he starts walking around and he's and he's being sneaky and, and I'm, I'm loving it because I know exactly what he's going to want to do. And I'm like, he's going to want to get over here close. He's going to see what's raking. He's not going to make any noise doing it. So he starts to follow the edge. Now, now he cuts almost in front of where, you know, I thought this, this other bull that I'm, that I'm talking to, I'm thinking he's going to, you know, he probably could have seen him from where he was, but he doesn't react or anything. And, and this bull sneaks around and, uh, there's like you know there's a, there's a few little like uh saplings like like smaller trees that that made up almost like a little pathway around the edge of this meadow to kind of conceal yourself or conceal you know for an animal as it was moving along along the edges and uh it's doing that and it's and it's getting close and getting close and and i'm like you gotta be kidding me so now my my shooting lane i'm almost thinking he's gonna come right up straight on me again because he's now he went from entering the meadow east of where the bullet i'm calling to is and then skirted around the west side of it, and then now he's now he's on a, like a beeline for for where I'm at. So he cuts in. He ends up cutting in um, fifteen yards, maybe away from me, like not not giving me any lane. And it's just one of those, you know, like you're smelling them. It's just that you're. I'm like, wind's perfect. Like his his wind's right in my face as he walks in, but he kind of navigates as they do through stuff you're like with that headgear how do you how'd you pick that and walk through that successfully you know and and he walks through the super thick stuff i have no shots at him and he kind of can see where where the raking is coming from now and uh he doesn't like it and he turns around runs the other side of the field and then again i you know i still have the call in so i uh and i ranged him as he was coming in so i had him at like i knew where 60 was and he was he was just under that so i i um, I, I chuckled at him again. I bugled with no tube and then chuckled and he stopped and stood and looked over and just under 55 where, you know, going out there, my, the top end where I knew with like everything on and, and, you know, heart rate up and everything I knew like 60 yards, I was very comfortable to hit, um, something significantly smaller than elk vitals. 
So, uh, so we stopped like just under 55 and I let it go and everything looked perfect. You know, it just looked, I was like, that was, that was a perfect shot. And, um, and he went running back kind of the direction he came from, um, so, you know, sprinted that way, turned, turned, made a straight, you know, made a 90 degree turn and started running up this hill back into the timber. And I, and I sat there quiet and I watched him and I watched him and he got out of sight. And in my mind, I just, I got, maybe I was overly confident that I knew how it was going to play out. I saw him going up that hill and, and, uh, right to where the other elk were, you know, the other, elk, at least like if that, if that, uh, bull had, had cows with him, you know, I, f- I figured that'd be the direction it was going back towards security. You know, like when you shoot, when you shoot a white tail, like the, they seem to always spin around and run back to, you know, where they, where they knew it was safe if they can. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so I watched until I can't see him anymore and then just get hit with it. And I just like hands up in the air and I, I turn around and I'm telling my brother who's still raking, I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, I just, I just shot, like, I, I just, I just killed a bull. I just killed a beautiful bull. Like, you're not going to believe this. And like this whole week, it's just like one of those, like everyone's like, yeah, you know, there's elk in here. Yeah, there's elk in here. Like, there's no, I'm calling in bulls that I'm like not expecting to see after years. And, you know, I was like, yeah, like th- there's no point. I don't ever foresee a getting to a point in my life where the bulls that I'm almost getting shots at are getting shots at out here in this sub 10%, you know, sub 5% unit. It's like, it's not really, what's that? Not ones that you pass. Yeah. You'd never, never pass on. So, um, then, uh, then the story gets a little more, you know, sad and, uh, we go out, this is at, this is a little while before sunset. So I give it, I give it a, you know, as much as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, but I gave him probably 20, 20, 30 minutes. And then when we kind of creeped over, it was quiet enough where you can creep over there. The wind was still really good. Nothing was going to go to the direction that he ran and I'm um, looking for blood and everything. And then can't, can't find anything, can't find any blood. And I'm, and I'm pushing it. Uh, I walk over. I walk. I follow his trail. You can get right onto his tracks. Like it's just obvious, plain as day. Because because when he took off, and this is you know, there's a pond down there, so there's like uh, you know, he was definitely, you know, he's pressing into the ground a good you know five six inches, maybe maybe more each time. So, um, following tracks, uh, followed him to where he cut up the hill. I'm looking, looking, nothing, no blood. Got the lights going, and and we're just like, look, it's I got no blood, and as much as I think it was a good shot, I was like, we're just, let's just back out, and we'll come back, we'll come back in a little bit, and then uh, it was good weather that night. My cousin was like, just as soon as I, it, my my cousin from the area, he he wasn't uh, with us, but he was like, he was like, look, I'll come give you a hand as, as early as I can in the morning. I was like, okay. So so we uh. We wait for him. We head back out, and again, there's you know there's no blood. We're not finding anything. No uh, no good indications that this is a good shot on this bull. Can't find the arrow. Um, so we end up kind of hitting the last part. We saw him, and, and we kind of branch out. Which, in hindsight, you know I get it. Like you're kind of looking for something a little more fresh. So like, and everyone's kind of like excited about it. So you branch out. I, I almost wish, and I don't know exactly with the best way to do it, but like a little more organization at first probably would have benefited. Um, but we, I did know where I saw him last. So we kind of like took that drew like a straight line across 
and everything in there was covered. You know, how it, you know, it's not like covering a uh, field. It's, you know, you're trying to get up on ridges and you're looking at if there's something thick that you can't confirm, you kind of get down there into it and get back up to the ridge. And, right. you know, really we put in, so each guy put in seven miles. So it combined, you know, 21 miles. I got my tracker on Onyx. We're, we're like, I'm like, you know, we covered everything here. And then the, uh, then the stories start to, slip in about like, you know, Hey, they're tough. And if that shot's not perfect, like, you know, so I'm beating myself up and I'm like, was that, you know, was that shot? Should I not taking that shot? Like, um, you know, was, was it what I thought? Like, did, did it go, did, did it hit close shoulder and he took off and, you know, but I, but I still have my doubts cause I'm like, no, like I, you know, I, I shoot enough and, and I, I know when I release an arrow and, and it feels good. And I, and I know the difference, you know, like you, you yeah. know, that bad shot. Yeah. And especially at that distance, you have that time, you know what I mean? Like if it's a bad enough shot, you'd think you'd really make a mental note of it. And, um, so eventually we're like, you know, and then he's, he's done taxes and my cousin's done taxes running out there for a long time and stuff. And he starts telling stories about, you know, these, what, what he's seen elk live through and this and that. And I'm like, you know, eventually after, after looking for the day, the doubt slips in and I'm like, all right, look, maybe I, uh, maybe I didn't hit him like I thought, maybe I, maybe I didn't kill his bull, but, you know, like. I guess we're, uh, you know, we're done. And, I'm, and I, I said I wasn't going to continue to hunt uh, after that because I was like, I, I, I think that was a good shot. And, uh, you know, I was, I was confident enough in it to where, you know, earlier in the day, I was like, I'm not hunting anymore. And, um, and then towards the end of the day, after the talks and stuff, and, you know, I was talking to my cousin. He's like, look, you can't beat yourself up like that. He's like, you don't know. We don't really have a solid understanding of what the shot did. So he's like, you, you know, you'd be doing yourself a – you know, disservice or injustice, whatever, if you didn't, uh, you didn't continue to hunt. And I was like, you know what? All right. That's, that, that's fair. And whatever, maybe, you know, maybe some people disagree with the decision. I don't know, but it, you know, it's something that like it does in, in hindsight, you know, cause at the end of it, obviously I don't know if you, I'll just jump into that, I guess. So, um, you know, leaving, leaving that area, like not being confident in the shot and confident that I'd kill the bull, I did go back into that area a couple of days later, hoping that like things would have settled down uh, for the elk that that use that area. Because as as we're looking for this bull, we're finding incredible sign back in there too, and uh, just just like okay, so if, if like we don't, you know, if we didn't totally blow this area out by by three of us walking through it all day, uh, hopefully they'll be back in here in a couple nights and then we'll figure it out. So I go back in there. And like I told you in the email, like, you know, it's probably foolish, childish, whatever, but you're, you're hoping like, man, maybe like that I'll get lucky and, and this bull's still around and, uh, you know, like I'll see, I'll, I'll see it and like it would kill you, you know, to bother you that you wounded it, that, that, that you hurt it a few days earlier, but maybe I'd get a chance to, you know, kind of seal the deal and, and, you know, do the right thing by them. And so as we're walking in there, uh, thermal just pulls uphill and, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, Cause we took it a, a different way in. Um, and I was like, that's, I was like, that's my bull down there. I guarantee it. So smelled them from about, uh, 300, maybe 200 yards away, 200, 250 yards away on a ridge. I smelled them and they ran down there and, uh, you know, the reality of it set in. And I was like, you know, just that's when the regret starts and you're like, how did I miss this? And what he ended up doing there's no blood the whole way to him. What he ended up doing was uh, he picked up like a contour line and kind of ran around 
the back of, of this pocket into an area that, you know, I just never cut a track taking us out that way. And we cut a few tracks running up the hills and, and that, that we had stayed on and tried to tried to figure out where they were going. And especially as, as you're going, you're finding all this sign as you're, as you're following, you're following other sign, you're finding more sign. You're like, okay, it makes sense that this elk would run this way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't spend that time checking like the sides of, of that pocket where, you know, I wasn't standing, I didn't shoot him from over there. So, you know, just did, but just didn't cross my mind that I, cause I had seen him run down and then, you know, even read some stuff where like, Hey, once they line out, there's a good chance they're going to want to stay on that line and that they're trying to get where they want to go as fast as possible. And you got a good chance they're going to fall somewhere not too far off that. And, uh, what he did was, was pretty different at that. Like I say, he followed that contour line, kind of came all the way around to back, went back and even back out where I even shot him from and came a little bit past that. Hmm. And, uh, so when we went out into the woods and we drew that line, like, okay, look, I saw him here. Let's make this our starting point and cover as much ground as we can from this straight line. Just the axis of that line was just off enough to where I wasn't, we weren't going to run into him. Yeah. You know, and that's in hindsight, that's what it was. And, and like I told you, I think the, the only way to correct that would have been uh, spending spending another another couple uh, minutes just just sitting still and listening. Like I shouldn't turn like around right after the shot. Just right, exactly right, right after the shot. I think the the key would have been um, okay. Look, I saw I, just because he's out of sight doesn't mean I just doesn't mean my senses have now stopped working to where I can't right. tell where this bull's going to crash and. And, you know, you see, and like the celebration was done perfectly quietly, but I did run back a little ways to, to get to my brother. And if I had just kind of poked out into that, uh, into that little meadow bit, um, I, you know, I don't know if I would have, but I'm confident that I, I would have had more knowledge on, on where he had gone, you know, an animal that size, I'm guessing crashing down over there, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think I would have heard it, but yeah. yeah. Man, that's tough. It's bittersweet. It's uh, nothing that, I mean, you can tell from your perspective, nothing you take lightly, nothing I think any any uh, good hunter would take lightly, but it's, man, it's, it's part of it. Um, and that's not, yeah, that's it, it's not easy either, but it is part of it. Um, yeah. it, it like you, you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned in your story to me, like, good lessons often don't come easy, you know? And you've, you've learned from that in a way that, uh, you can't learn from, from a podcast. And I don't, I don't mean just like the encounter of losing the bull and like what to do differently after a shot and all that. And all that's obviously incredibly valuable, but in terms of what you've learned from your experiences, your encounters call like that whole trip, um, so much that you can take away from that for sure. And it's going to make it's going to make future hunts more successful. It's going to make success sweeter, you know, when it comes all together. So you yeah. just, you have to keep that in mind. Yeah, you definitely, you can't, you can't discount this, this podcast. Like I said, it's been like an encyclopedia. I've learned so much to, to how, how different it was, you know, that second time I was out there, um, in an, in a unit where like even people that, that live close to it all year, like, you know, eh, whatever, I, I don't know if I would hunt back there. I don't want to, you know, waste my time hunting back there and just, I turned, I told my brother, I was like, dude, you're spoiled because this is an insane, an insane, in my mind, it was an insane outcome for a couple guys that, you know, 
like what do we know you know like i i, I try i try to put it together and do everything i could and you know if, if that's any sign of like what years in the future are going to be like out there it's really just something else and and if i didn't have this to, to fall back on and find these the guests the guys that you've talked to that you know are willing to give their advice you know your own experiences your own advice like it's it's really huge and like i, I agree with you you need to put your your time in on the ground um you know learning that too but a lot of this stuff gets done from home. And if you have, if you have that confidence, or well, when you live where we, where I do, a lot of stuff gets done from home. And if you have that confidence and like, you know, I talk to these people and I listen to these people and I mark this on the map and this should be good and this should hold them. And, and you have these plan A, plan B, plan C all the way through Z. And like, you know what you're going to get out there and do if something's not working out. Like that's all stuff you don't need to be in the woods and the mountains to do. And, and that I think made all the difference uh, for us out there. So, yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know, armchair quarterback things, or like look at you know things like oh, should have done this, should have done that. That's an mm-hmm. easy game to get caught up in. But I am just like super curious, like your personal thoughts on the shot. It sounds like it was a great shot, hit offside shoulder, which is like no doubt elk shoulder, freaking tough. Do you question or attribute any of that to like? arrow choice broadhead choice any of the like quote-unquote equipment factors in that like are you rethinking any of your setup in that regards that's actually an awesome question i did give that a ton of thought because i love uh i gave a lot of thought before i got out there you want me to talk about specific stuff like brand stuff or just yeah yeah i mean you're you're certainly free to yeah so i love uh so i shoot those day six arrows um, which I love them. I shoot, uh, I, I had, uh, kudu on, on the arrow that I shot that elk with. And, and I love the kudus as well because they are quiet and they fly really well. Like, I mean, I, I'll go out, I can go outside now. I know. And, and I still have them on a couple arrows in the quiver. And if I, if I went back to 80 yards, I have no doubt that I'm, you know, going to be able to hit that Reinhardt with both, uh, the kudus, you know, like, like good, make good shots at 80 yards with those broadheads, which I think is phenomenal. But, um, I think, uh, I think I'm going to be switching to something with like a bleeder, you know, and, and I don't know that it would have made a difference. I, I don't ever like, you know, the, there's a lot of gear. There's a lot of different gear that'll all get it done, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's my fault. Like that, that shot, um, you know, saying I was comfortable at that distance, I think, it, I think is a, a fair assess, a fair assessment, but I'd be totally up to for a debate about that if someone, you know, because I'm sure that you could bring up valid points like, well, wait a second, you shot him and landed in the off shoulder. Like what, you know, I'm, I did my, maybe it wasn't, maybe, maybe I should have waited for a closer shot or passed on that shot and uh, something that I could have guaranteed not had catch the off shoulder. But, you know, that kind of thing in my mind can happen at, at closer ranges. But, uh, but I would have liked to see, you know, in a perfect world, if I go back and say, hey, look, you know, I shot this, uh, you know, I, I started looking at some of those other like like uh, day six broadheads or iron iron will broadheads where where they're you know they're they're mostly the two the two blade primary with the bleeders, and uh, you know they seem to fly really well every time I watch the tests on those. And I think uh, I think next time I go out, I'll probably be taking something like that where, you know, I may I don't know maybe I get more blood out of it. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe maybe uh, you know an elk a side of an elk is an awful lot to. Uh, there's a lot of things there that can soak it up, you know, in, in that kind of distance um, to where even if it was bleeding a little more, who knows? Who knows if uh, if I would have had a good trail. And then, 
you know, when you when you when you break down how far the elk actually did go following that contour line, you're like, okay, well, the, the broadhead certainly did its job. Right. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't stay there, and I didn't, um, you know, do everything that I could have to to do my job. So. Yeah. So I hate to I hate to say that with an awesome product because I know they are awesome, but it, like that's that's just that's just me right now. And the next the next thing I try is going to be something that has uh you know four blades on it. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I think I mean I think it's a really fair assessment. Um, I mean I think a kudu is a really good head, and I don't, I don't you know think you can put blame on that solely. Like you could have been. You know, you could have been a quarter of an inch from having massive blood. Like you just, it, there's so many factors and variables, you know, to it that it's, right. it just, it can be tough to say, but yeah, I was yeah. just curious. So I, I I think, you know, it's a fair assessment in the sense of, you know, I, I don't even think you should take full responsibility. Like, yes, you did. Like you shot the arrow. I'm not saying that it's not your responsibility. It's, you know, as the hunter, it is your responsibility, but it, at the same time, it sounds like you made a good shot that, you know, things just sometimes don't end up the way that you'd hope to or expect, even when you've, you've done everything. And then in terms of distance and should you have taken that shot? Like, again, that's not an easy answer. If you're, if you're accurate and putting it in vitals, you put it in the vitals. Um, man, it's just sometimes, yeah, they're tough. And sometimes you just don't get the break that, that you almost deserved in a, in a way, you know, you, you made a great shot. So that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like you said, just no lessons are no good. Lessons are easy, I guess. And yeah, next time, hopefully next time it'll go better. Well, thank you for tuning in guys. The fact is elk hunting is hard. It doesn't always go our way, but it's worth sticking with it. It's worth putting in all the work because when it comes together, There's nothing quite like it. Thank you guys for tuning in and hope to catch you next week.